I got a girl with a mind on love The kind of love that is dangerous It knocks me down but I get back up Hey everyone, welcome back to the Kevin and HJ podcast. Today I have my brother on as we talk about Super Bowl 53 and I know it was kind of a boring Super Bowl but me and my brother figured we should recap it as it was the last podcast for the NFL season so it was pretty bittersweet to kind of finish on this note especially with Another Patriots win, their sixth Super Bowl win, and as Jets fans, it was definitely hard to watch that game, especially with how much Jared Goff struggled and how Sean McVay's offense was not able to get going, only scoring three points, the lowest scoring uh, game in Super Bowl history. So me and my brother, we recap it and we give our uh our reactions to the game and we just talk about um some of the nfl awards that were given out at the end of the podcast and um yeah this is the last podcast for this nfl season and me and my brother will be back and we'll be probably talking about basketball later on in the season when um the playoffs get started and then also we'll probably break down some jets draft coverage as well so thanks for listening guys so if you guys haven't subscribed yet please subscribe and like the podcast so thanks again for listening and let's give my brother a call hello Hey, Mike, I don't have that cheerful of a tone right now because I just saw Joe Namath handing the Patriots yet again another Super Bowl, their sixth in team history. Tom Brady has six, Bill Belichick has six. Uh, What can I say? I don't know. It wasn't a great game, honestly, to watch. It wasn't very pretty. Kind of reminded me of like an old school old school, old school, like 80s game where it was pretty low scoring. But man, I can't believe the Patriots won another one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, overall, I mean, we'll get into the details of the game, but it's a sad day. I mean, this is our last football podcast and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a tough way to end the season after watching the Patriots, our arch rival, win another one, a uh, record tying sixth uh, Super Bowl win. Right. Yeah. And I don't know, there's there's a couple narratives coming out of this game, obviously, that it just cements what Tom Brady and Bill Belichick have done as a coach-quarterback duo. Uh, Brady's mm-hmm. probably the considered the best ever now. Like, it's cemented as the best ever. If there was any doubt before this, he's the best ever. Um, yep. And it's and Belichick's probably got to be the best coach ever now. Yeah, maybe across yeah. All, close to maybe across all sports, but one of the best ever. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, Tom Brady at this point, he is without a doubt the greatest of all time, the greatest football player of all time. I, I think even before the game, that wasn't really up for debate, but now it's it's like you said, it's cemented, it's set in stone, um, and there's a pretty decent margin, I think. And in terms of Bill Belichick being the greatest head coach of all time in the NFL, I totally agree with you. 
I mean, he's definitely the best head coach of all time in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, it's just whether, you know, we want to give it to him as the best coach across sports, right? And I think you can make a pretty strong case for him. Exactly. And I just feel just watching that game today, it it just cemented the brilliance of what Belichick can do as a as a game planner, as someone that can control the flow of the game. Mm-hmm. And it really impressed me with the the game plan that the Patriots came out with uh came out with. And even like Brady did not have his best stuff, I would say. Um, in this game it's not like he lit it up or anything like that he had a pick um, early on in the game his first pass of the game Mm -hmm. and I thought it was going to be one of those games where the Patriots would just kind of struggle throughout especially they were just like bad omen after bad omen Uh, Brady gets the pick and then uh, Gostowski misses the field goal, and I just thought if the Rams could kind of just step on their throat a little bit and extend a couple of possessions, score a couple times, then I thought that they would have the game in their control, but they were just ne- never able to establish control of that game. Yeah, I mean, I, I had a pretty interesting reaction. I mean, after Tom Brady got the pick, and after Guskowski missed that first field goal. And, you know, just looking at the time of possession, I think after the first quarter, like 12 minutes to like three minutes, right? Something outrageous. Right. right. I just and, – and I think the game was still at 0-0, zero, zero, right? Mm-hmm. I was just like, wow. Was. The, uh, I think the Rams are really lucky right now that mm-hmm. the Patriots don't – like aren't up like 10-0 at this point, right? Because watching right. that first quarter, I was like, wow, the Patriots should be up huge. And – my thinking was that as this game goes on, like the New England Patriots are going to get, like they're going to get their points, right? And nothing in the first quarter or even the second quarter sort of inspired any confidence um, for me in the Rams because on offense, like they just cannot get anything going. Yeah, and I mean, I'm just like looking at their drive sheet. Like the first, there was that stat that first came up. First eight possessions, the Rams ended up punting, and. Mm-hmm. Like, let me read out how many plays they ran in the first eight possessions. They ran three, they went three and out, five plays and out, three three and out again, five plays and out again, three and out again, another three and out, five plays, three and out again. And then they finally got a field goal at, at middle of the third quarter. And it just, it, I don't know where the offensive brilliance of what Sean McVay had been doing all year kind of went. And I think for me, when witnessing that game today, it just kind of made me shout and scream at the television and and kind of question what happened to Todd Gurley over the course of the playoffs. And it what was really perplexing about it was I was watching some of the news conferences after the game just to hear some quotes and see if maybe Gurley would kind of admit that his knee wasn't right or there was like an MCL tear that he was dealing with or some meniscus strain or something like that in his knee that would really cause him to really struggle these last couple weeks of the season. And he came back with, no, I'm fine. I'm good. So 
I don't know. I'm, I I doubt it was a game plan thing. It just didn't seem like Gurley was right. He only ended up having um, 10, 10 carries for 35 yards in the mm-hmm. run game. And it, it was just not inspiring to watch um, that, that offense operate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was like a huge storyline from the game. I mean, where was the Rams offense? Right. Thinking about this game, I mean, I really thought that Todd Gurley was going to get involved. Like, he had a lot of time to get healthy with whatever was going on, right? And when they didn't immediately start going to Todd Gurley, when they saw C.J. Anderson for a few of those drives, I, I just I could not understand what the thinking was there. Right, maybe keeping him fresh for the second half was my thought there. But, um, you know, in a few plays that Gurley did play and get involved, like, he looked all right. Um, you know, he broke out for that one sixteen yard run, but it it just sort of astounded me why the game plan wasn't a little bit more centered around Gurley if he was truly healthy. Right. And mm-hmm. after the game I actually thought that, you know, something like something would come out that he wasn't healthy, but um it seems like all indications were that he was good to go. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's what really perplexed me about about everything because the the comments and the quotes from the game made it seem like he was fine and he was ready to go. And I thought he was ready for a heavy workload. And I mm-hmm. thought he would at least get 15 touches rushing the ball mm-hmm. and to only end up with 10. And it's not like the game flow kind of really got away from them. It was, it was just a pretty clear directive of them not establishing the run and then going play auction play action off of that and that was the that was the one bread and butter for the Rams this year in that they would really pound and establish a run with Gurley and then off of those run fakes and the play action Goff would be able to manipulate the ball well and then be able to throw over the top of those linebackers that were cheating up for the run plays and then be able to hit um, Robert Woods or Brandon Cooks um, over the top for those play action deep balls. And that, and that surprised me that they didn't establish the run a little bit more. Um, and they weren't able to get it going. There was just a couple plays, like some awkward third and twos where they decided to go play action instead of kind of pounding it, pounding it there with Gurley. And they weren't able to sustain anything uh, for anything for any long success in that first half at all I mean ended up with zero points one of the lo- I think it was the second lowest scoring first half of the Super Bowl with it being 3-0 I think the first one was like in Super Bowl 10 with it being 2-0 um, so it's like it just there was just no offense and it was completely uh, counter to what how I thought this game was going to go, especially I think all the people in Vegas, they, that over under was set at 56 and a half. So they didn't, they didn't anticipate that this game going this low scoring either. So it was a really perplexing game of just defense, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And just going like to, you know, discuss a little bit more about the Rams. I, 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 even golf just didn't look right for that first half. So I was very surprised at the lack of flexibility and lack of like, you know, 
the play, play action pass, right? Like let's at least like get some running involved. Um, you know, let's mix in some play action after we get the run game going too. It just didn't make sense, especially with golf starting to struggle a lot in that first half, just not looking very comfortable being on the big stage at that point. Right? So uh, it's, it's, it was definitely a pretty questionable game plan. I definitely, you have to give a lot of credit though to both defensive coordinators, Wade Phillips and uh, Brian Flores. Like they both made a really good game plan. Right. And it definitely was a great defensive game for both sides. Right. In terms of, you know, the Patriots, they were able to get, you know, a lot of exotic blitz packages, um, really get pressure on golf. I mean, golf had four sacks, 31 um, yards lost. And a lot of it was him holding onto the ball a little bit, in my opinion. But at the same time, right, the Rams did manage to get a lot of pressure on Brady. I know they only had one sack, but in terms of comfort in the pocket, right, I mean, there's no way Brady just gets like 13 points um, if he's like totally comfortable. So I did think that the Rams defense definitely played their part. Um, you know, Donald's, uh, they all got a decent amount of pressure on Brady, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah it really just came down to the offense of the Rams. I totally agree. And as impressive as that Pats defense looked, I was probably equally slash more impressive with that Rams defense in that first, in that first half, because yep. of the amount of possess, amount of time they spent on the field. Mm-hmm. It was just incredible with the defensive performance that they're there, that they're displaying. And they they had this bend, but don't break mentality. And they were just getting play after play where I thought if the offense can just get it going somehow, then they're going to be able to capitalize because there was just some like things that I saw in that Patriots offense as well, that they weren't, they were able to move the ball, but they just weren't effective at capitalizing on their chances. I mean, Gostowski missed, missed a a pretty simple uh, field tool. It's not like he, it was uh, anything incredibly difficult and mm-hmm. he had been hooking his kicks all game. I think even if you saw his PAT that he made and then that final kick at the end where he just barely made that kick, mm-hmm. he, he was uh, hooking all of those kicks and they're pretty close from missing. Even the, even the one that he missed it and missed to the left as well. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty surprising to see. To see um, from the Patriots, and you kind of saw that saw the nerves there a little bit for both teams. And then I think one thing to highlight about Jared Goff was it didn't seem like he was ready for the big stage at all, and it seemed that there was a ton of pressure that was being placed on him. You mentioned that sack number and the pressure number. I think he he was like pressured eight or nine times and had ended up getting sacked four times as well. But the confusion that it brought about in terms of what he was looking for, there were throws out there eventually, but he just ended up missing those throws because he was anticipating pressure. And Mm -hmm. then he felt like he needed to get the ball out of his hands, even though there's um, throws on the backside that he was just completely missing. And it, it really surprised me just because of the amount of cool and calm 
that he displayed throughout the season. And then during this huge stage, he, it just, I think the pressure got to him a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. And I, I think there's some, there's some amount of pressure that a young quarterback like Goff is going to definitely feel that someone like Tom Brady is not. And he really expected, I mean, I mean, Sean McVay is also, he's like 34, 35 years old. So maybe there's a little bit of nerves for him as well. But the fact that the coaching staff really couldn't get uh, a better sort of play calling than, than what we saw was pretty disappointing in my opinion, right? Not to establish the run, not to really do what they've done amazingly this past year with the play action. Um, it, it just seemed like the the offense just wasn't very creative, right? It was just, you know, let's run the ball up the middle. Like, uh, let's, let's uh, you know, it wasn't very innovative in my opinion. Yeah, and I was I was kind of curious like they didn't I didn't really remember seeing them run any jet sweeps or anything like that. They sent mm-hmm. those guys in motion but never handed it off to them. Um can't remember if they really ran too many too many screen plays. I I remember a couple but nothing substantial that that got them any yards. And what I started to realize was I don't know why they didn't start going tempo a little bit and kind of kind of go no huddle because I think one in that Saints game when they started going no huddle in that in the end of the in that second quarter during the Saints game they sort mm-hmm. of started to get their rhythm when they started going no huddle when they they when Goff was almost not having to think too much about the play he, he just kind of got settled in that no huddle offense. And then he was able to go, 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 make simple reads, make one read and then throw the ball. And w- they started getting it going a little bit when they were, when they were going no huddle in that second quarter, I believe, but they, they ended up stalling out on their drives and they, they just were never able to get control of the game. And I, I, even though the Patriots were, uh, winning only three zero going into halftime, and then only they're only they're tied up three three going into the fourth. I always felt like the Patriots had control of the game. They were dictating how play was uh, being played on their own terms. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a disappointing experience for the Rams. Uh, I, I think it's definitely a good learning experience. I do think that the Rams will definitely – I think they'll be back, right? I think they're going to be back, right? But they really pushed all their chips in for this season. And, you know, for all of the – for the culmination of all your work and to get three points at the end of the day, I mean, that's – it's got to be very disappointing, right? And mm-hmm. I, in terms of – in terms of – really what the Rams could have done right. I, I just go back to, like, getting Gurley more involved, right? We'll see next season, um, you know, if if they really try and make him a focal point next season, right? And I think they will. I think that Todd Gurley, we're, you know, we're going to be in the regular season next season, and um, he's going to be, you know, like, his near MVP self, and we're just going to be like, where was this for the playoffs, right? Or the chance, like, for the Super Bowl. But it's it's definitely the biggest mystery why they decided to use Todd Gurley like this. He's, he's getting paid like a superstar, and they just, for some reason, did not use him. 
Yeah, and I think that's like one of the big questions going into the offseason, what the Rams decide to do with this team, because they really did push all their chips into the middle of the table, like you're alluding to, especially getting a lot of these high-priced veterans. Um, you know, we're right. talking about Marcus Peters. They traded for him. Akeem Tlaib. Um, who else is there? There's um, Brandon Cooks, who they got from the Patriots. The, and and Dominican Sue. So a lot of these guys were basically all in. Don, throwing another name, Dante Fowler, who they traded picks for. These were the those were the guys that the, that the Rams ended up trading for or, or acquiring to really go all in and take advantage of the contract that Jared Goff was on. With that being on the on the rookie scale before. He's up for an extension, and that eats into their cap space. So I think it's I'm, – I'm curious to see some of the moves that they make in the offseason to offset some of the inevitable losses that they're going to have. Right, yeah, no, this this defense is definitely not going to be the same next year. They've got too many blue chippers on, you know, we're going to be free agents. Um, but, I mean, for me, like, it, it's – it's going to start with what they do on the offense. Do you think that they make any big changes here? They sort of run it back with golf, girly. Um, you know, they're going to get Cooper Cup back. Yeah, um, and I and you kind of have to think that the Cooper Cup connection that that was kind of missing um, in this game, in that when when golf had pressure just running down his back, it he didn't seem like he had this outlet guy to go to, um, to when mm. he, he was under pressure and you kind of think cup would have been that guy for him on those third down plays. I mean, they were over eight, their first oh, uh, third down, like eight third downs are over eight. So, I mean, they just were not able to convert in third down and that if, if you're not going to be able to do that, score three points, game you're not going to win very many football games and i think maybe one of the the things that they really need to look out for and reinvest in is their offensive line honestly because the amount of pressure that the patriots were able to get with their with their defensive line was really impressive and something that I don't think we really highlighted that much in our preview podcast. Uh, we didn't talk too much about Trey Flowers or, or um, Kyle Van Noy, what he, what type of role, role he would play. Yep. Um, Malcolm Brown, even Danny Shelton made a nice little play there during the game. Dante Hightower. Dante Hightower. Yeah, so we, we weren't able – we didn't highlight too much of the Patriots' defense thinking that it would be a pretty high-scoring game. And this game kind of just flipped all the notions that we had about the game on its head. Yeah, and when I think about the game, right, it's not like the Patriots really did anything differently than what they've been doing for this postseason, right? They've they've relied on the run, right? We saw a few, like, third and short where they actually went with the run play. Um, You know, Sony Michelle had 18 carries, Rex Burke had seven carries. Uh, both of them averaged over five yards per carry. 
right? So they definitely utilize the run game, similar to how they've been doing in the postseason. A lot of passes to Edelman, but taking a few shots to Gronkowski, like it doesn't seem like there's like a big change in the game plan, right? Yeah, there there wasn't that big of a change. I mean, I think moving forward, especially with them having, I don't know, Brady, it seems like isn't going to be retiring after this Super Bowl. Unfortunately for us Jets fans, it seems like he's going to be there to stay for a couple more years at least. His stated goal has been to play till he's 45, which is four more years away. Very possible. And I, I think that he does it. And I think, I mean, we'll get to that later, but I yeah, think yeah. he's got another one. Yeah. And it just seems like, they, as they trans, uh, transition into the next phase of Brady's career, they're going to focus more on this run game, focus on this offensive line so that they can keep Brady upright. And I would be a little bit wary about uh, surrounding him with more weapons, especially on the outside. They were able to get it done with Edelman in the middle and kind of use his quickness and speed, but they they were severely lacking on the outside. They didn't have many receivers on the outside to threaten what threaten threaten the outer boundaries. And Edelman ended up winning MVP. He ended up having ten receptions for 141 yards. Grimkowski made that key catch to set up the Sony Michelle touchdown. So there were definitely key plays made by especially those two guys, Edelman and Gronkowski. But Gronkowski's kind of alluded to possible retirement, especially after uh, a possible win in this Super Bowl. So that might be another guy that they they might have to replace on the at at the tight end position. Yeah, I, I think that that's going to actually be a pretty big loss to lose Gronkowski. Like, he definitely – he still gets, like, doubled in a lot of the games and takes a lot of pressure away from Edelman. Like, in that game, we saw that Edelman was not even being double-covered, even with the amount of damage he was doing, uh, not until, like, the second half, right? Mm-hmm. Which which didn't make – I mean, when he was hurting the Rams so bad, and I, I just felt like they had to take him away from the game – and see what other person stepped up because Chris Hogan wasn't doing it. Like six targets, zero catches. James White, you know, we thought that he might play a little part in the uh, in the didn't victory do much. Here, but didn't do anything, right? They didn't put him in like the Alvin Kamara, like pass catching back. They really went with these like medium, not like short passes, but like medium, like medium passes for like 10, 12 yards to Julian Edelman, right? And, you know, the Rams sort of gave it to them, right? The Rams were pretty committed to stopping the run. So you saw the linemen, you know, shift up to the line. But because of that, you know, there was a lot of open space, um, like 10 yards out, that Edelman really exposed with his quickness. Yeah, and I think that was, like, they were trying a couple different guys. They put Peters on him. They ended up putting uh, Nickel uh, Roby on him. So they they tried a couple of different things, Uh, Nickel Roby Coleman. They tried a diff- couple different things in, in those one-on-one matchups, but Edelman's quickness was just beating them, especially his first step, and uh, b- him being able to cut was definitely get getting him open spaces. And even when they were double-teaming him, they, he seemed to still get open, which was extremely impressive for, for me to see. And I don't know. it's I think 
I think the combination of him and Gronkowski, especially Gronkowski, attack, um, a, attracting that much attention still, even though he isn't the player he was like three, four, or five years ago, it still did a lot for that Patriots offense to open up open up things for Julian Edelman. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, how do you feel about the MVP award to Edelman? I mean, I thought it was well-deserved for me, um, for Edelman. I thought it was pretty well-deserved. I'm not exactly sure who who else you'd give it to. Maybe Sony Michelle, because he ended up mm-hmm. getting the touchdown. But who would your uh, <laughs> MVP have been? I mean, I think Edelman probably deserved it. Right? I would probably have given it to him as well. But I think this was a pretty defensive battle and de- defensive win. So right. even someone like Stefan Gilmore, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Jason McCourty with that great uh, breakup of, you know, Brandon Cooks, who was left pretty wide open, right? Mm-hmm. Jason McCourty wasn't even supposed to be there, but he noticed that play. And the fact that he was able to save that touchdown was um, absolutely enormous because the Rams looked pretty – like they were getting in that groove, right? Yep. So he uh, – that was a pretty key play. But Gilmore, you know, he had the interception. He had, um, you know, great coverage. It, it it just seemed like Gilmore might be another option for the MVP. But it's uh, it's definitely tough to get it unless you're like a defensive lineman. Yeah, and truly affect the game with multiple sacks and things like that. And it was it was interesting, even on that interception play when golf kind of lofted it up and it was a fairly easy interception for Gilmore. And I was shouting at the TV, how do you throw that ball just kind of up? You should have at least thrown it back shoulder so that it was the only way the uh, only way it was to be caught was by an offensive player. I mean, there was, it was pretty much an all out pressure there. Um, and basically the Patriots sending a, one more than the Rams could block and ended up very poorly for them. And that was more points that we were off, off the field as, or off the field as well for the Rams because they're in uh, scoring position at that point. So yeah. that, and especially in a close tight game and the type of weapon you have in, in Greg the leg, it would have been vital to even have just those three points um, instead of it going for an interception. So it's a pretty tough – I think this loss is going to stay with the Rams for a while just because of the missed opportunities that they had in this game. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think that this was a very winnable game. Uh, the Patriots are they're I mean, they're a tough team, but they were by no means dominant this year, right? So I, I think this is definitely going to hurt. And I think in terms of where this Rams team goes, right, I'm not sure it gets, like, meaningfully better unless golf takes a leap, right? Because we know this defense is not going to be um, probably as good as this year. Uh, and, you know, golf is going to have to take another leap if we if we really expect this Rams team to get even better than this year. Yeah, because Gurley, it's going to be hard for me to see Gurley get any better better just because of the season that he ended up having. Um, 17, I think it was like 17 total touchdowns or 17 rush touchdowns and four receiving touchdowns. So it's not like 
Gurley can get much better. It's going to have to come from Goff. Um, I'd like to see them utilize the tight end a little bit more and then hopefully improve that offensive line since it's getting a little up there in age as well. And let me just give a quick shout out to the most unrecognized players probably on this team um, for both teams. Ryan Allen and Johnny Hecker both had Ryan Allen had five punts. Johnny Hecker had nine punts. Um, pretty wild that they featured that heavily in this game, especially with these two high-flying offenses. And, I mean, honestly, I thought Hecker did a heck of a job, not to be super punny there, but he did a great job to keep the Rams in that game, especially when that offense could not get going in the first half. He was able to pin the Patriots relatively deep alongside that that Rams defense that they were able to keep the Rams in this game all the way up until the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, no way that this score is this low without some great work by the special teams. I mean, both special teams are pretty fantastic. Um, I, I mean, I lost count of the times that both teams were just like pinned out like their own like five yard. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And that's how every drive seems to start. So it, it, it's it's definitely tough when you're all the way back there. And um, both special teams did a really fantastic job, in my opinion. Um, yeah, they they definitely should have gotten consideration for uh, you know MVP, <laughs> which is crazy to say. I know it was crazy. It's it's honestly crazy to say that, but it was just like the way that they were able to keep both of their teams in the game really impressed me. Yeah. And, you know, just to give a shout out to, um, you know, other players, it's, it's not, maybe not other players, but really one last shout out to both of the defensive coordinators, Brian Flores, who will be the uh, head coach of the Dolphins next year. I mean, he deserves it. This, I mean, this Patriots defense looks so much better than they did last year. (laughs) I know, but, Matt Patricia, right? Like, Yeah, Matt Patricia, the defensive guru, right? Yeah. So definitely a big shout-out to Brian Flores. I think he actually, he truly did a great job here. And, you know, Wade Phillips, uh, he really did a fantastic job on Tom Brady for the first half. I mean, to keep New England to three points for the first three quarters, right? that's, that's definitely something um, that should be acknowledged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and totally see that both of those coordinators deserve that deserve the amount of praise that people were uh, hoisting on them on Twitter, on national media as well, because of how well those, they, they were able to prepare the teams and game plan the way they did. And I, I was just in, incredibly impressed with the way those defense, uh, defensive lines ended up playing and being able to hold their own. And there are just a couple plays in there for the Patriots offense. They were able to capitalize on a couple different plays where the Rams offense really let their defense down. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the main sort of the story of this game was great defense. Unfortunately, the Rams just couldn't get any offense going, and, and specifically Todd Gurley and Jared Goff. Like, if you you need your star running back and you need your star quarterback to do more than what they did. 
um, honestly, right? So that's that's really how I'm thinking about the Super Bowl and how I'll reflect on it. Uh, it you know, in, in terms of, you know, outside of the game itself, Kev, any reaction to, you know, the halftime show, some of the commercials? Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't too motivated or, like, I didn't think too much of the commercials. The one NFL commercial seemed pretty interesting slash fun mm-hmm. to watch. I thought that was probably the best one of the night, uh, just to see all those star players kind of, you know, fighting for that golden ball. That was kind of, I thought, fun to watch. Um, and then halftime show, I wasn't – I thought it was pretty decent. I, it would have been nice to see a little bit more of Travis Scott, but I thought it would yeah. be – I thought it was a pretty condensed show, kind of tightly wrapped together. But I thought I thought they did a pretty good job. It wasn't terrible, but I wouldn't say it was like jaw droppingly amazing. Yeah, I I think uh, Twitter and like social media, no one was like a huge fan of that, you know, Maroon Five performance. But I actually thought it was it was okay, right? It was yeah, like an okay, I thought it was like, like pretty decent performance, right? You know, mm-hmm. more Travis Scott would have been nice. You know, they teased the SpongeBob Sweet Victory. I, I did which find that hilarious. Took me back. That yeah. took me back a little bit. I was like, oh, I, I really wanted that moment, but uh, it Child, was childhood right there. Yeah, definitely disappointing. I mean, Sigo Mode's a great song, but you know, I, I feel like everyone wanted that Sweet Victory uh, uh-huh. rendition. Yeah, yeah. So it was a uh, it was pretty interesting. Other than that. Any commercials for you? Any? Did you get your uh, your potato skins this this Super Bowl? No Add potato skins. Only, yeah, just a lot of wings here this year. Yeah, a lot of wings. Yeah. So uh, went to um, a friend's place for this Super Bowl. Uh, shout out to Jason, Jason Shin for hosting and uh, being able to be a gracious host and serve us wings and chicken and all that type uh wings chicken and um what else ribs and all that type of stuff so that was a good time there but yeah overall the game wasn't the best game it wasn't the most exciting game especially with i mean the past two years of games that atlanta game was just unreal where the patriots mm-hmm. stormed back from 28 to 3 and then last year's exciting game too um, between the Eagles and the Patriots. That was amazingly exciting as well. So it wasn't to that caliber at all, and I wouldn't say it was one of the best Super Bowls of recent memory. But, I mean, it was – I think the narratives themselves were better than the product on the field. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. And, um, yeah, for me, none of the Super Bowls <laughs> – it, it really was a little bit of uh, anticlimactic. Yeah, it was, yeah. With the season that was had, it was and the the championship round of games that we ended mm-hmm. up having, both going into overtime with the excitement. I was expecting a little bit more from the Super Bowl, and it was a bit anticlimactic the way it ended. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. So. So, Mike, there is one narrative that I actually also wanted to address that I don't think we really touched on that much um, during our conversation so far is that Sean McVay and the offensive scheme and the creativity that we talked about the lack of creativity and 
where the offense kind of went. But it kind of might – don't you think the mystique slash, um, I guess, the – the uh, the hype around what McVeigh has done with offenses in the league has kind of been torn away, especially from the Super Bowl with them only putting up three points. Um, I mean, everyone's kind of looking for that next Sean Sean McVeigh um, in their coaching hires uh, this off season, hiring guys. You know, the Bengals hiring someone like Zach T- Taylor, who's a young guy, getting a job as well. Um, trying to be someone innovative, forward-thinking on the offensive side of things. And don't you think it kind of tears away at that mystique that Sean uh, McVay has kind of built up? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it definitely definitely in terms of the coaching, right, it was a great defensive coaching game plan, but it seems like Wade Phillips is, you know, really owns that piece of the, um, of the Rams, whereas McVay is more about the offensive guru and, you know, building a lot of like more of like the team management right side um, mm-hmm. and not focusing too much on the defense. So it definitely hurts them a little bit. And, you know, for that, for a team as talented as the Rams on offense to only get three points again, like you have like a near MVP running back and a supposedly star quarterback, right? It's, it, it, it definitely hurts his legacy or like not his legacy, but I guess his reputation a little bit, but, for him to even get them to the Super Bowl, I think is a little bit, it's, it's very, very impressive. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm just not sure that. Yeah. I'm just not sure really what happened. It didn't really seem like the Patriots did anything too different. Right. They kept going with what worked. Right. I remember Romo was saying like, Oh, like they see this play they like with Edelman. Right. And they basically ran that play three times until <laughs> the defense could stop, stop it. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's, you know, I remember, when we were doing, you know, when I was doing fencing even, right, and my coach, like the U.S. Olympic coach would always say, like, Michael, like, if you have something right, just keep doing that until your opponent forces you to make, like, a change, right? Unless they Mm -hmm. have shown that they can, you know, get past it, you just keep showing them that thing, right? So that's what I felt like happened a lot, right? You know, Brady, Belichick, they just found what they liked and then just kept exposing those weaknesses until the Rams could, you know, figure out a solution to it. Whereas, you know, with McVay, I, I just feel like some of it was, it, it, it just wasn't creative, right, at times. And which is a little bit crazy for, you know, us to say, since he's known as like one of the most creative and innovative coaches here. But it just didn't seem like they exposed a lot of weaknesses for this Patriots defense. And even if they saw something they liked, it, it didn't feel like they like stepped on the neck. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, I actually thought that, you know, some of the play action passes that golf was able to get when they started to hurry up the offense, right. It did seem like that they were getting into a groove, but then all of a sudden they would like slow down again. Right. It just wasn't in terms of like the tempo in terms of, you know, really attacking the weaknesses. I just felt like there was some room um, to go there, right? Totally agree. So, Mike, as we kind of uh, kind of say goodbye to this season, um, is there – are there – I mean, the odds are out for next year. I know that this is extremely early. Uh, the odds are out for next year. The 
Chiefs are favored to win the Super Bowl next year at six to one odds. Mm. Uh, the Patriots are sitting at eight to one at certain sports books. So, who do you think early, early, early season on? Who do you who do you kind of like for next year? Yeah, I'm looking at the odds, and we could go through a few of them. So, Kansas City six to one, right? I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, L.A. Rams, New Orleans, New England, all eight to one. Obviously, I like New Orleans here. They got robbed for the past two years, and I just I think that their luck sort of swings, right? Mm-hmm. 14-1, uh, then you have the Chargers, Chicago, Pittsburgh. I don't know why Pittsburgh is on there for 14-1. That that's that doesn't seem likely, right? Another year of an older Roethlisberger, um, Le'Veon Bell, you know, they haven't resolved that situation. Antonio Brown, they haven't resolved that situation. I just don't know why they're 14-1 in one of the top seven teams. For, for next year, so I don't like that one. Chicago, I like, right? I think Trubisky, Trubisky played well, and, you know, this defense is, you know, was historically good, right? Chargers, I, I really like, but, you know, I'll be hesitant there since we've always gotten burned there. Mm-hmm. Uh, some longer shots that could be interesting. The Houston at 20-1, to 1, Indianapolis at 20-1, to 1, and, um, you know, Strangely, I like Atlanta forty to one, and even this—I mean, our Jets eighty to one. Maybe I'll throw <laughs> a flyer on there. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, I think I think those are some interesting teams, like Atlanta, like the bounce back teams, maybe even Carolina. What, depending on how they end up going to, mm. you, it's it'll be interesting to see how some of these teams end up bouncing back because. You know, if we look at this year's playoff field for last year's playoff field, I believe like half the playoff field was completely different from last year's. So it's it's interesting how much of how much change slash variability there is from year to year. Um and I think that's like a good reminder for and slash hope uh for a bunch of NFL fans because it shows that your team's not always out of it. So uh, that has to be encouraging as well. So, Mike, and and also one of the things that I did want to recap were the NFL awards were yesterday um, on Saturday to kind of showcase um, the NFL's uh, winner, NFL winners for this year of awards. Um, Patrick Mahomes ended up taking MVP. Mm-hmm. There, I, I think we got most of our picks right at rookie of the years um in saquon and darius leonard both, mm-hmm. both guys that ended up getting it as well um i believe mahomes ended up getting offensive player of the year and then uh nadamik and sue ended up getting the or aaron aaron donald i'm sorry aaron donald ended up getting um defensive player of the year andrew luck was comeback player of the year especially coming off of that uh shoulder injury and then Matt Nagy ended up winning Coach of the Year, kind of leading the Bears to twelve and four record, especially after they struggled last year. So um, I thought all awards were pretty fair, pretty yeah, were things that we pretty much foresaw happening um, yep. for the for this past year. So Michael, 
uh, as we close the book on uh, the 2018 slash 2019 season, is there one thought slash memory that you have coming from this season going into next season slash one memory or reflection that you had from uh, the football year? Yeah. I mean, in terms of reflection, I, I mean, after just watching that game, for me, it's Brady is the GOAT. Um, You know, the Patriots are truly just one of those dynasties that we should appreciate, right? And, you know, I think they have one, like two, three more years left in them. So just to really appreciate what we're seeing here as probably, you know, the greatest uh, football stretch of all time that we've ever seen, right? So I think that's something that I want to keep in mind. you know, just to sort of end it out on a little note for our Jets, the future is bright for us too, right? I think that in terms of like 10, 20 years, I think the um, the future is bright for us Jets fans. So we'll, a lot of quarterbacks end up taking a big leap in their second year. Let's let's see if Sam Darnold can do it. Yeah, and I think that's all the hope for Jets fans. Like, let's see if Darnold can end up doing it and seeing whether or not he's able to um, re- really dramatically improve in his second year because you alluded to how that that growth from first year to second year for great quarterbacks ends up being substantial. So hopefully he's able to kind of guide the Jets to a surprise type of um, playoff run or something like that. I'm not extremely hopeful of that, but <laughs> I think that's like the hope that's there going going along with that. And I think the one other thing that I did want to draw away from this season is the the rise of offensive gurus slash creativity, creativity on the field mm-hmm. and the amount of, I would say, misdirection and motion that a lot of people ended up using. And I'm kind of curious, especially from the blueprint of – this Super Bowl with it being so low low scoring 13 to 3 I wonder if there begins a shift of the pendulum back towards the defensive side side of the ball we kind of saw that with the uh, the Bears this year um leading the way and the Patriots ended up having a masterful masterful performance in that um, in this pat in the Super Bowl that just happened today, so I'm very very curious to see what the um, what the implications of this game are for for next season and whether or not um, defenses end up kind of taking precedent. Yeah, I I, I don't want to react to like a sample size of one, even though it was a Super Bowl, but mm-hmm. it's it's an interesting thought. I I think that. I'm not sure the pendulum necessarily swings back just because all of the little like actions, right. That support more of an offensive revolution are going to keep happening in terms of the, you know, more strict calling of, of, um, you know, roughing the passer in terms of some of the advantages that wide receivers get against the defensive backs. Right. It's, it just seems to point to even more offense. Right, mm-hmm. and I'm sure the NFL uh, commissioner and in, in the league just you know just saw this game or seeing the sentiment. I'm not sure how the ratings have been, but 
you know, the people don't really want the 13-3 game either for some reason. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much we swing back to this uh, defense wins champions mentality, especially when the top four teams uh, for the playoffs this season were all top offensive teams. Correct. And I think New England ended up having the best rated defense of the of the final four. So maybe mm-hmm. kind of bore out there. Would I think they were like top 10 in the league um, on defense. So I think that's an interesting um, thing to note. So I'm very curious what ends up happening next year. Um, Mike, I don't know if there's anything else that you wanted to say to close out the podcast. Um for this NFL portion of the year, because this is our pretty much our last one of this season before maybe we talk New York Jets draft stuff um, while it get when it gets closer to April. But we'll be off from the NFL slash football for um, at least a, a month or so, at least a month and a half or so, and then we'll be bouncing here and here or there when. Um, there's big NFL news that ends up popping up and then until next, um, next, uh, fall time. So is there anything else that you wanted to say or share with the listeners, um, for this NFL season? Yeah, I just wanted to thank everyone who's listening. And also it's been great to, uh, have this podcast with my brother, right? It's just been a great bonding time and I'm just thankful that, uh, you know, any listeners who are here and have been on this adventure and ride with us, um, you know, are listening to this very last one. Really appreciate it. Yep. Totally appreciate it. This is our last football podcast, but that doesn't mean we, we are going to stop talking about soccer or basketball for the rest of the year. So definitely be on the lookout for those podcasts as well. Um, thanks again, Mike, for joining me on this podcast for the final football podcast. I'm so sad. I can't believe we have to wait six-ish months. No, more than that. Probably like nine months, eight months uh, for regular season football to start again. So I'm excited, but I'm also sad that it's over. So thanks again, Mike, for coming on to the pod again so that we can talk about this for the last time in the 2018-2019 season. Um, And all I have to say is congratulations to the Patriots as much as I hate to do that. And Tom Brady, congratulations to him. He's the best ever. And I can only hope Sam Darnold takes us to seven, um, seven Super Bowl victories for the Jets. So <laughs> that's the dream, I guess. Um, so thanks again, Mike, for coming on. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll probably try to do some maybe draft coverage in terms of uh, who we think the Jets should draft. And then maybe I'll have Michael on talking about some type of NBA basketball, because that is definitely heating up, mm. especially this past week. Um, so if you guys, want to catch up on all all the takes that me and my friend Andrew had on uh, Christoph's Porzingis trade, Anthony Davis trade request, the trade deadline. We'll be coming out with a podcast next Thursday on the trade deadline, uh, talking about all the trades and things that went on during that time. So 
Thanks again for listening. Mike, tune on for tune in for that. And uh, yeah, maybe I'll have Michael on so we can talk uh, basketball later in the year. Thanks, Kev. Yeah, it's been a great season. Great season. Wish it could have ended differently for us as Jets fans, but congrats How again. Pumped. Yeah, we would have been so pumped if uh, the Rams had won. Yeah, totally would have been hooting and hollering um, and definitely been uh, talking smack to our dad because he's a Pats fan. But he has this one again over us. Um, so I think he's getting tired of rooting for the Pats because he's, they've won six of them. So I don't know how much more winning they can take. Too many Super Bowl parties. I know, seriously. So um, congrats again to the Patriots. And thanks again, Mike, for coming on. I got a girl with a mind on love The kind of love that is dangerous It knocks me down but I get back up And I'm addicted, I can't get enough